Welcome to Canada's podcast. Hello, this is Robert Smigel coming to you today with Canada's podcast, where we talk to the entrepreneurs who are making it happen here in British Columbia. Today, our guest is Nicolette Richet. Nicolette is a regenerative medicine educator, entrepreneur, author, doctoral student, speaker, and founder, CEO of Richer Health Consulting and the Green Mustache. She currently lives, works, and plays in beautiful Pemberton, British Columbia, Canada. Nicolette, welcome to the show. Thanks for taking the time today to be here for all our listeners. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Beautiful Pemberton. I love living there. That's fantastic. And you got a little bit of snow there. It's, uh, it's all the trees gorgeous. are all white and still looking Christmassy, I bet, huh? Yeah, I'm looking at blue skies and snow-covered mountains. It's pretty spectacular. It's one of the most gorgeous places. Good. Okay. So tell us a little bit more about yourself and give us the details on your current business. And I think we should probably focus on the green mustache or maybe give me, you've got a lot of stuff going on here. So maybe just give me one or two that uh, you want to talk about. Sure. Yeah, we host um, a variety of different educational platforms for people. So our restaurants that we have are fully plant-based whole food cafes called the Green Mustache. That's a place where we can educate people about how to use food as medicine. Then beyond the restaurants is our health consulting companies that we have. So we have a charity and then Richer Health. And that's where I work with clients one-on-one to support them in reversing their chronic diseases, or and we have digital education programs. So for people all over the world that can access our training and education so that they can heal using food as medicine, get off their medications, um, be able to not have to undergo unnecessary surgeries and really just reclaim their health so they can get back to living. Good, okay. To start a business, especially in British Columbia, takes money. Did you need financing to start your company? And how do you currently make money in your business now? Yeah, definitely needed financing. Uh, we had sold our first house that we had ever bought, and we had about $30,000 to our name. And we put that towards the first restaurant and coupled with a loan from Futurepreneur Canada. And so total of $72,000, we built our first restaurant and then went on to grow another seven restaurants um, from that tiny little investment. And then, of course, over the years, we've definitely needed more money to expand and grow. But we make money directly through selling our products in our restaurants, through our digital education programs, and through client consulting. And I do a lot of speaking work and get paid for that. So uh, we have lots of different revenue streams that come in. Okay, I'll talk about your industry. I want you to give me a key piece of knowledge or information about your industry that our listeners can learn from. Is there anything that the common person may not know about in your industry? Yeah, so I'm in the world of metabolic nutrition and detoxification for reversing chronic diseases. So what most people don't realize is that 60% of North Americans are living with a chronic disease like diabetes, heart disease, mental health disorder, autoimmune disorder, um, and then of course cancer on top of that. So these are very prevalent diseases, but they're very reversible. And it's interesting, there's a lot of entrepreneurs as well because of the amount of stress that they have in their lives, plus you know just moving fast, not slowing down, eating out all the time. They suffer from um, actually much higher rates of chronic disease than most employees do. So that's a probably a fact most entrepreneurs don't know. And then on top of that, 60% of their employees do have a chronic disease. And so they are, the biggest fact is that most entrepreneurs are suffering 
from what's called presenteeism in the workplace. So that's where their employees show up for work, but they're not really present because they are constantly Googling ways to heal themselves and having to miss work for appointments because of their because of their sickness. Plus, they just can't show up fully and be really productive because of their brain fog, their pain in their body, sickness throughout their body. So this is a huge thing that's not talked about a lot amongst um, entrepreneurs in BC and Canada. I had Shel Cran on the show a few years ago, and she said, being an entrepreneur is a lot like being an athlete. You have to be at top health, mentally, physically, spiritually. I think that's yeah, uh, I couldn't agree more. It's entrepreneurs need to take care of themselves and make sure that they're uh, you know, I call it the whole health wheel so that all areas of their pie chart health wise, their relationship, their finances, you know, their mental capacity, their physical capacity, everything. It is like being an athlete. You have to take a consideration into all, all considerations into place. Otherwise, you're going to be you won't be thriving as an entrepreneur. Yeah. And I think sometimes people got to think exercise is a non-negotiable. That's like eating right, non-negotiable. Right. Exactly. Okay. Talk about BC. What is the long-term vision? What will your company look like in the future? Do you see the company expanding into other areas and where beyond Vancouver, BC, Pemberton, or even Canada? Are you actually located in Whistler as well, right? Yeah, we're located in Whistler. We have two locations here. And you know, prior to COVID, we were expanding rapidly and COVID really took took us out at the knees. Um, and so now we're just re-envisioning what that looks like for our restaurants. Uh, most likely we're going to be supporting other restaurants in being able to create the food that we make within their existing establishments, because it takes a long time to build a brick and mortar establishment, which is what we've learned. So what we are going to be doing, we're great educators. So we train chefs now on how to make healthy foods instead of making foods that harm their patrons. They mm -hmm. can now actually cook foods that are healing instead. So that's the growth for the green mustache for sure. Okay, let's talk about uh, doing business in British Columbia. What are the biggest benefits for you in being an entrepreneur in British Columbia? I want you to give us some of the good points about starting a company here, but I also want you to give us some of the tough things or challenges as you've had along the way for our listeners so they can keep it out for them. Yeah, I would say, um, you know, labor costs are incredibly high. The cost of living in British Columbia, in British Columbia is very, very high. And we really help to support our employees in buying homes and making sure they have enough money to qualify for mortgages. And, um, you know, as opposed to just couch, couch surfing, Whistler's the, the land of couch surfing. And we definitely um, treat our employees well. They have benefits. Um, so that's a huge cost and it makes it really hard to do business. I think in British Columbia as well, the high tax brackets that we as employees, uh, employers pay. But then on the Upside, I mean, we are in beautiful British Columbia. It's one of the most beautiful places in the world to live. We have four seasons. I think for our mental health, it's actually as an entrepreneur here, it's really great. It is a place where there is a very high number of small businesses and medium-sized businesses. So you are always able to network with other businesses. Um, we have so many events. Um, everything is centralized, you know, within the Sea to Sky Corridor in Vancouver. So you can always get the resources that you need. And we have incredible programs in, in BC to support small businesses as well. Good. Okay. Canada, British Columbia, there's a lot of immigration. So I want you to speak to them in this next question. Yeah. If you were to start all over again, and you just moved here to Vancouver, BC, or even Whistler, 
But this time you don't know anyone. Knowing what you know now, what you've been through, what would you do? How would you go about starting all over again as an entrepreneur? What would you do differently? Oh my goodness. <laughs> what would you do now? Yeah, I, I, it's a great question. And you know, it's an interesting one because you only know what you know at the time, right? You, you And you really can't go back. But um, I thought I could outsource a lot of things. And what I learned was as an entrepreneur, you definitely need to know your systems and you need to know a little bit about how all the systems work and how all the systems fit together, because you can have a lot of redundancy in a company, especially as you're scaling your company. And so for somebody new coming to British Columbia for the very first time, I would say, you know, slow down a little bit, not too much, because naivete is definitely, I think, the key to jumping into your business and not, you know, overcoming the fears. So being naive actually has a lot of benefits because it just throws you into your business and then you have to scrap, you have to be scrappy and really figure out, you know, how am I going to make the next payroll? How am I going to get that next funding source? So but if you slow down a little bit in the beginning and and what I did is created an exceptional business plan. So I ended up hitting my numbers within a hundred dollars of the very first year, within a thousand dollars of the second year, within five thousand dollars of the third year. But we also grew from five figures to six figures and more year after year. So make sure you know all parts of your business and just don't outsource too fast. But then also you don't want to hang on to any roles that you know you might be struggling with that you're not really efficient at because you do need to have that free time available for creativity. And I think for myself, I was trying to do at the beginning too much um, and then outsource too quickly. So there's that fine gap in between. But when and I don't know. It's it's. I don't know if I could have done it better, knowing what I know now. But I think I would have asked more questions. I would have definitely um, gotten more help in the areas that I wasn't great at, as opposed to just ignoring some of those areas or just outsourcing it completely. Because then what happens is you find out that the person who took over that role sometimes they may not be doing it to the best of their abilities just because you didn't instruct them well, because you didn't know that's that part of your business that well. So there's a lot to learn about running a business. There's never a dull day, you know, 16 years in, I'm still learning things every single day. Um, but yeah, and I guess being kind to yourself would be the other one too. That would probably be the you're, you're going to mess up, you're going to fail, you're going to thrive. So don't get caught up in any of those um, emotions that come with thriving and being successful, but also, you know, making huge mistakes and failing because they're only just temporary moments. Um, and they're going to pass really, really fast because every day is a brand new day to change things around in your business. Okay. Let's talk about your morning routine. What does the first hour look like for you when you wake up in the morning? Do you have a specific routine or a ritual that helps you get motivated to start your day? Yep. And it's probably the opposite of what a lot of people do, I would say, but uh, I like to stay in my pajamas. So I like to be really cozy in the morning. Some people get up and take a cold shower. Um, I usually do that at one point in the day. Um, for sure, cold showers are really, really important for stimulating the brain, the body, oxida um, oxidation in the body. But I stay in my pajamas and I like to get up. I like to be with my family, make sure they get out the door okay. Um, and then I like to just sit. 
And I sit sometimes with a book, but always with a warm beverage of some kind, um, a delicious tea, something nourishing for my body, and then I eat my breakfast. So that's a really, really simple routine. And I don't stick to any one thing. Some people get up and meditate 20 minutes a day. I used to do that. Um, but usually what I do is I wake up and I listen to what my body needs. Sometimes it's sitting out in the sun. Sometimes it's laying down on my back and stretching. Often it involves breathing because most entrepreneurs are moving too fast that they forget to breathe. And um, so I, I that's my morning routine. And then just having that time for myself in the morning before my first meeting, before I go in to teach, um, it's usually, it's enough to ground me for the rest of the day where I just, I feel amazing and I'm able to think clearly, serve my clients, make good decisions for my business. Good. Entrepreneurs are avid readers. Obviously, you're academically getting your PhD and so forth. So let's talk about books for a bit. What books are you reading now and why or even audiobooks? And can you recommend any books for our listeners who are also entrepreneurs in BC? In Canada. Yeah, this is my favorite question. And I'm an avid reader. So I read a couple journal articles every single day. And I read, I usually have at least 10 or 15 books on the go beside my bed. So I have a huge stack. Um, I'm just looking on my desk now and on both sides, I have stacks of books. But um, Michael or Connor Creighton, it's a beautiful meditation book that I think every entrepreneur should read. It's just funny. It's easy to read. And the exercises are perfect for any busy entrepreneur. So it's called This Is It by Connor Creighton. I have The Soul of Money. Um, that's a beautiful book by Lynn Twist. And that book is, I think, important for any business person who needs to really get in touch with the energy of money and just recognize it, that it doesn't define them. And it's just a flowing currency that comes and goes. And so releasing all your attachments to the money and the money comes. Um, I have. Um, Chris Voss, Never Split the Difference. I think every entrepreneur absolutely needs to know how to negotiate, whether it's for a loan, interest rates, working with employees, contracts. So that's an important book. And then an audiobook I'm listening to right now is Brendan Kane's One Million Followers. Really okay. brilliant strategies in that book for how to really do your digital marketing very, very well, the back end of Facebook, not the front end, and how to grow a following. So really learning a lot from his book as well. So I have all those books on the go right now. Okay, what are your online or offline tools that you usually are go to for you on a, on a daily basis? Is there anything that you use consistently that would uh, help other entrepreneurs? For, yeah, like as in apps and um, business tools. Yes. Yep. Anything yes. online, pen and pencil, anything like that? Yeah, exactly. Um, I highly encourage every single entrepreneur to have a pen and pencil and a big, huge notepad of paper because we're behind our computers so much and we're on our phones so much. So I like sitting on the ground, you know, stretching out my legs, wide-legged, you know, stretch pose, and then just sitting there and getting my ideas out of my head. So just a brain dump, brain dump of anything that comes up. And then from there, it's amazing how little nuggets of wisdom will arise and let you know what, like, what's the next best direction for your business. So, you know, I might, you might have been, you know, joking about the pen and paper, but it's really true. Um, being able to just free your body from technology is number one, I think one of the most important tools that I use. Um, a second tool is Canva. I don't know how any business could or how we ever operated in the past without using Canva because it allows us to just get our digital mark or our um, graphic design work done quickly. 
and turn things around really, really fast. Um, also using, I have to say, chat, you know, GBT, that's an AI, and it's allowing us to just write content that much faster, um, get more workshops out there because where it would take like an hour to put together a poster and an email and to send out now it takes three minutes. So chat GPT is another great tool. And then every company needs to have a project management system. It doesn't have to be complicated. It could be as simple as notes, um, or it can be more complicated like Asana, Monday. Um, we use different um, project management tools for our different companies. And we really make sure that our employees, our team members love using them, which is why we have different project management tools for different companies. Um, and we just make sure that our team is using those effectively so nothing falls through the gaps. Okay, Nicolette, we're going to get to know you a little bit better now. If you were doing what you do now, what would you like to do for a profession? If I was doing what I'm doing now, what would I do for a profession? If you weren't doing what you do now, like oh. if you weren't for your, you know, working for your the green mustache and working yeah. as a health expert. Okay, so before, yeah, before I started the green mustache, I had just finished my pre-med courses. I had three babies. I started uh, my pre-med courses the day my third daughter was born and completed those, wrote my MCAT and had to fly to Edmonton to write my MCAT, fly back to open up our restaurant like a couple of days later. So I would be a medical doctor and I would be working in ER. I'm a problem solver. I love fast paced, unknown chaos, uncertainty. And so I would definitely be working in ER in probably a busy place um, like New York City. And so, and I was supposed to go to the States and go to med school. Kind of a job would you not like to do? Couldn't do it. Oh my gosh. I know that answer very well because I did it. I worked in government for many, many years and I did policy development work, environmental policy development work. And it is so such a slow process. It's a massive ship to turn. And you're working in such a bureaucratic, chaotic environment. And I worked there for many, many, many years. And I like to see things happen like this. Like if I have an idea, I can implement it, launch a new business in a week. And so working on policy um, papers for nine years before seeing any kind of change, that was really tough for me. So I would never go back to working in government. But that's also based on my personality style. I'm not meant to be in a position like that. In business, what is your favorite word, quote, or sentence that you like to use? Is there anything that stands out that people would say, yeah, she uses it or says that a lot? Yes. And in fact, I'm just teaching my students about this this morning. So often we say, oh, I have to go pay my bills. I have to write that paper. I have to send that email. I have to go pick up my kids. So anytime, anytime I hear any of our team members say that, I just invite them to switch up the words instead of I have to. It's I get to. So I get to go have that really tough meeting with the bank right now. And I get to, um, you know, submit that pitch deck that might take 44 hours to work on to really get it right. But you get to do it. That's the beautiful thing. If you're in a position where you can pay bills or you can go to a bank and ask for a loan for your business, or you can submit a pitch deck, or you can reach out to 12 new partners, uh, organizations to partner with, that's a pretty good position to be in. So just changing your mindset like that from I have to, 
to I get to just opens up a world of possibilities for everybody. What's the least favorite word or sentence you do not like to hear? <laughs> I hate the word not possible. So that's two words. <laughs> two but words, I fine. cannot stand that word, that sentence when people say, oh, it's not possible, possible. Or, oh, you know what? That's been done before and it never worked. I'm like, well, you tried that before, but you know, everybody has a new take on how to do things. So, you know, let's just try it. And sometimes it's timing. Sometimes it's, you know, the world's not ready for it 10 years ago, but it's ready for it now. And so I don't think anybody ever has to use the word that um, it's not possible, especially within my line of work, because I work with people who have chronic diseases, who've been told by their doctors, it's impossible to reverse a chronic disease, but that's the biggest lie we've ever been told. It's false. We reverse chronic diseases every single day and it, and it's possible. If you had to pick one or two words to describe yourself, what would it be and why? <laughs> oh, I it just, I laugh because of all the words that I've heard people use to describe me. Um, so if you were to look to the left of my wall here, it's literally covered in sticky notes. And I have my non-urgent, urgent follow-up delegate, you know, work on this now. And there's probably 80 sticky notes up there. So I'm incredibly organized, but in the inside. And so I would use that word to describe myself. Whereas when other people see my Excel sheets and they see my project plans and Gantt charts and, and um, you know, word clouds and mind maps and my sticky wall, they would see that as chaotic because to them, they can't make sense of it. But I'm a visual person. So it works for me to use these tools. So I would say I'm incredibly organized and I'm also a visionary. So that's the other word. Um, I'm often doing things a little bit ahead of our time and have to wait sometimes for policy, society, people to catch up. And um, But I've always been that way, um, being in the environmental sector. Um, I have a huge vision for the, worry, the way the world can be um, healthy, sustainable, thriving. And every day I just keep working towards that. So an organized visionary. Yeah, I've heard that a lot. Visionary seems to be a, a word a lot of entrepreneurs live by being that the they can see where they're going they see the long road ahead they can take the baby steps they can take the long steps but they know where they're going and a visionary is uh the end result right yeah exactly and you have to see that if i think it would be pretty tough for most entrepreneurs to not be visionaries because you need to almost see your business built and operating and you should be able to taste it you should be able to like anticipate the next move be able to hear the, you know, the feedback coming back from customers and you need to be ahead of that. So when you have a vision for how you want your company be, to be, it's so much easier to take the steps that you need to take to get to it because it's already happened in your mind. And so it just makes it that much easier for you to, um, to do your, to do good work. Okay. I want you to give us the top three things on your inspired life list. This could be whether or not you want to do philanthropy, travel more, biographies, um, anything that you want to do, travel more, or is there anything that you want to do beyond entrepreneurship uh, mm -hmm. that you could see? Obviously, you have a family and so forth, and you live in a beautiful place, but um, do you have anything that you'd like to do beyond what you're doing now? If there's a list I can... Uh, inspiration list, like I want to go here one day and do this, or I want to write a book, or I want to go to this country, anything like that? 
Yeah, definitely. So I operate with a vision board on my wall. So that's to the right of me now. And it's a very clear vision board. And I make one every single year. So I'm always very aware of what it is that I'm working towards and what I want for myself. Health is always a priority. So I want to live to be 100, chronic disease-free, still dancing, playing tennis, rock climbing, um, and running, biking. So that is probably my number one um, outside of work vision that I have for myself. But, um, and I often don't differentiate work from life because I don't feel like I work. Like I love my my, my work so much. Um, so I don't see myself retiring. So one of my big dreams is that I'm living in Portugal. I am writing many books. And in fact, I just got a multi-book deal last week from our publisher. So, you know, this vision is happening as we speak. And we have a wellness center there. We used to have one. We sold it a few years ago. And I want to open up the hospital of the future. And that hospital of the future, um, the first one will be in Portugal. Then we'll remodel it in the United States and Canada. And I would love to see this happen before I die. And it's in this place that I will age in place because it won't be like a hospital. It'll be really more like, you know, community living together, making healthy food together, um, not stuck away in retirement homes and not being able to see your family. So that's the vision I had is just to live in a place, lots of sunshine where I can age in place, age well with family, friends and community all around me. Portugal is a place. Lisbon is beautiful. I was just there a few months ago. Okay. Along your entrepreneurial journey, do you have any advice that you may have received from someone else that you can pass on to entrepreneurs throughout Canada? Someone else tell you something, another entrepreneur, mentor, anything like that that you said that really resonated with me? Yeah. And this was a long time ago before I even had a business, actually. And uh, this woman, she's incredible. Uh, she told me I was really struggling at the time with, you know, what is my skill? What am I supposed to be doing in the world? I don't know what my strengths are. And I really felt like I was all over the place. Like some people wake up and they're like, I'm a chemist. I'm not one of those individuals. I didn't know what I wanted to be. And so she said, trust that about yourself, accept that about yourself, and you will see how it will come to benefit you in the future. So Beyond all the other tips, like get a mentor, you know, have a business plan, make sure your cash flow documents are up to date. Those are all really, really important things. But knowing yourself allows you to trust yourself. And so you can trust yourself when you're making decisions. So you make decisions based on what is right for you, what is right for your immediate family. And then you can make really good decisions for what is right for your business, what is right for your team members, then what is right for the greater community. But it's really hard as an entrepreneur, if you don't take that time to get to know yourself, know what you stand for, know your values, know your strengths, know your weaknesses. This is all about getting to know yourself and then accepting all of those parts of yourself. And then when you do that, you move into the world, you operate, and you're going to be making sure you have a business that suits you, suits um, your personality, and that you're actually just living fully from your values um, and you're thriving doing that as well. Great. Okay, we're going to wrap things up, Nicolette. How can our listeners get hold of you? And is there anything you'd like to add before you leave us today? Yeah, so they can, anybody can reach out to me at Nicolette Richet at uh, NicoletteRichet.com. And so Richet is like richer, R-I-C-H-E-R. 
and Nicolette has one L, two T's. So NicoletteRichet.com, reach out to me, especially if you have a chronic illness or if you're a company uh, and you're running a company and you want your employees to be healthy, get in touch with me. We can help you with that. And then I would say the one thing I would want people to know is that it's time to stop putting our health on the back burner. You cannot exercise your way out of a bad diet. You cannot do yoga and and you know yoga your way out of a bad diet. Um, everybody's bringing in these stress management tools into their companies to help their employees. You know, mental health programs, but you can't heal a mental health condition without first looking at the diet because the diet is directly um, contributes to that mental health condition. In fact, ninety five percent. Um, diet is responsible for mental health. So it's important that companies, entrepreneurs, and employees too start demanding that we start looking at the foods that we're feeding ourselves. The standard American diet is killing us. Um, and if we're going to have healthy, thriving businesses in the future, it's really important that these small businesses, medium-sized businesses, um, really start looking at that, making sure their employees have good access to healthy food at lunchtime and just making sure you do your, your, uh, um, as yourself, it's, that's critical. And then when you do that, your energy levels go through the roof. You're able to do so much more, more efficiently, and it really pays off in the end dollar wise for your business, because you'll see your profits increase, but just because you have a team that's operating is the most productive. They're happy. They're thriving. You have less turnover and we have a healthy community healthy society, healthy, thriving businesses as a result. Okay, great. Well, Nicolette, thanks for coming on the show. I've learned a lot about you and I'm sure our listeners have as well. Thank you so much for having me here. It's been a pleasure. Great questions. There you go. Okay, we'll see you next time.